The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests sat, chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. In the first congregation I served, which was in the borough of Queens in New York City, there were great contrasts in the hospitality offered by long-term residents and the first generation of German immigrants. This was a very German neighborhood. Uh, They had had immigrants come in three different waves before World War I, after World War I, and after World War II. And uh, it was the kind of place where you could get Sauerbraten or Schwarzwalder Kirschtorte in four different places any day of the week. While the long-term residents uh, would serve food at a family celebration, if there was more than eight, on paper plates and styrofoam cups, if you went to the homes of any of the first-generation German immigrants, it was quite different even if you were just making a pastoral visit. It meant you sat down in the living room and there was a fine covering placed on the coffee table and then out would come the china and the glassware. And this was fine china. If it was just coffee, it was samultasen, matching cake plates and cups and saucers. And they would usually have gold leaf on them somewhere, maybe lots of it and uh, often that blue German cobalt that you only find in German China. This entertaining was focused on the guests, on making them feel special. And these were people of rather simple means. Often, the living room was actually in the basement because they were the bedrooms were on the first floor and they were renting the second floor in order to pay the mortgage. But no expense was spared for guests. It was always excellent food and drink, 
and entertaining focused on the guests, making them feel important, like they were the most important people in the world at that moment. In the church, evangelism, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, is primarily a matter of hospitality, of making people who are not members of a congregation feel wanted, special, important, as if they're the most important people in the world. And when that happens, the church grows and God's love is embodied and communicated. Some years ago, um, a bishop of our denomination did a study that showed that congregations that had evangelism committees were less likely to grow than those that did not have such a committee. And the reason was actually pretty simple. If there was a committee, then everyone else thought, oh, it's the committee's job, it's not our job. And congregations that didn't have such a committee knew that there wasn't anybody else to do it except them. In the letter to the Hebrews, the, le- the writer of the letter of Hebrews advises us, let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that some have entertained angels without knowing it. My German parishioners acted as if they were entertaining angels. Well, it actually happened to Abraham and Sarah. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 18. Three strangers appeared at the door of their tent one day. Abraham and Sarah attended to their every need, even preparing the best meal possible. At the conclusion of the meal, one announced that by the same time next year, Abraham and Sarah, who were in their 90s, would have what God had promised many years before, a son. Abraham and Sarah treated them like angels and were rewarded. From there, two of the three went on to visit Abraham's nephew, Lot, in Sodom. Lot was hospitable, but the men of Sodom were abusive, and so Sodom was destroyed the next day for this breach of hospitality. In the ancient world, Hospitality was a matter of some consequence. Guests were treated like angels, messengers of God, because they were a good, there was a good chance that they were that. But it was also because this was a nomadic culture, and there weren't hotels, and there weren't rest areas. And so as people walked, where would they stop for a meal, or where would they stay? Well, the tent of someone else. So... If people showed up at the door of your tent, you welcomed them in because you expected that they would do the same for you. Congregations have to guard their hospitality against a lack of interest in in guests. I like to visit other congregations uh, when I'm on uh, vacation on Sunday mornings. I've discovered that one is more likely to be treated as a visiting angel in a small congregation than in a larger one. And that's because they know who the visitors are, first of all, because it's small. And uh, sometimes it can be kind of annoying. Uh, People descend on you like mosquitoes because they haven't had a visitor for a while. Um, But the other side of it is, one can really feel welcomed and people will go out of their way. Large congregations often ignore guests, and that's because 
the members don't necessarily think of themselves as being at home and consider themselves to be guests in this place. And it's also true that large congregations, it's often difficult to know who are guests and who are not. And in large congregations, people often have what I describe as a transactional relationship with the congregation. They're not really committed to the congregation's mission. They're there for what they get out of it, not without thinking much about what's required or expected of them, how their baptism calls them to be followers of Jesus in that place as well. I, of course, have stories about this. <clears throat> um, when uh, our oldest daughter was about two, and our only child, we uh, attended one large congregation that's not very far from here. And um, by the time we were seated, we were told three times that there was a nursery and how wonderful it was. The clear message was they didn't want kids in worship. And my wife and I have always been very determined about taking our children to worship with us. In fact, the, by the time we got seated, we got a note from someone at the other end of the pew that the sermon was aired in the nursery. I wanted to write something unrepeatable on the note and pass it back, but Deborah wouldn't let me. In our homes, hospitality means treating guests like they are special and wanted. It involves being sensitive to the needs of our guests as were my German friends, and as were Abraham and Sarah. In the church, hospitality is the same. We make sure our guests are greeted at the door and someone gives them bulletins that include the whole service so they can follow it. And there are children's bulletins and crayons or activity packets to give to small children in addition to the regular bulletin. And if they're not certain where to sit, someone shows them to a seat in our homes, guests usually wait to be told where to sit at the table. During worship, the people around them share the peace with them at the appropriate time. And after the service, members in the seats nearby introduce themselves to guests and invite and accompany them to coffee hour. Someone makes certain the guests are never standing alone without someone to talk to. And these are parallel to the things that a guest, that a host does in their home. You, the people of Upper Dublin, know how to do these things. I've, I've watched it happen. I've seen it as people stand around here before and after worship. The warmth of the relationships that have developed over many years is evident in the conversation and the laughter and in the many hands that help. But we have to make sure that this hospitality extends to everyone. But of course, this is only a beginning, an invitation to growing in faith. All of this matters because the church exists to proclaim and to embody God's love, God's hospitality toward the world. It's through us that other people will know and experience God's love and grace. What we do shows God's love more than what we say. God has sent Jesus Christ who suffered for us, endured pain and death to welcome us into his realm, to let us know that we and all the people of the world are invited into his kingdom. 
Christ makes us his own in baptism, as he did Luciano this morning at the early service, and enlists us to be messengers to invite other people. As the community of the baptized, we are no longer guests, but those who are called to welcome them to Christ and to show them his way. We know how to show hospitality to strangers and in that way to embody the love that God has shown us in Jesus. And we can grow in hospitality to adults and children also. We can welcome them not just to church, but through the working of the Spirit of God into fellowship with Jesus Christ to their home with God. Amen.